Today's sermon is entitled Citizens of Two Kingdoms. Citizens of Two Kingdoms, look at the bottom, one business, two locations. One business, two locations. We're studying from Romans 13, 1 through 10. So we're going to talk about citizens of two kingdoms. So when we talk about being citizens of two kingdoms, we're talking about having a business, having a franchise, uh, one business, but in two locations. So we talk about how God is the corporate headquarters. He is the founder, the organizing uh, owner of this uh, ministry uh, of the body of Christ, and he enlists us as franchisees to place his businesses in different locations. And there's a trick. There's some rules that apply to where we do our business. So we must be conscious of not just saying, oh, I'm a Christian and I just serve anywhere in any way. No, there are different rules. There are different ramifications. There are different requirements depending on the area in which you go. So today I want to talk about how to do business in the earth, even though we are heavenly beings. So we have to have a concept of how to do a heavenly or spiritual business in an earthly world. We have to be able to understand the difference between we are in the world, but we are not of the world. And we must, we must be conscious of how to connect with people in that regard. So listen, we pray this prayer often. We pray, thy kingdom come, right? Thy will be done, where? In earth, how? As it is in heaven. So two kingdoms dual existing at the same time. So we're tapping into the kingdom of heaven while we're trying to do God's business on earth. And you must know the dynamics of both. Some Christians are so holy and they're so spiritual that they don't understand the earth rules and the ramifications and they don't have impact because they're too heavy on the holy side. And then there are some people who say they're Christians, but they're so dang earthly, <laughs> they can't tap in. I mean, they're so carnal and fleshly, they can't tap into the heavenly kingdom to have impact on the people's lives in which they live. So this ministry, this lesson is important in order to help you understand how to be citizens or partners or business owners in two kingdoms. One business, but two locations. I said before, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. Now watch this. It's kind of tricky because we were actually, listen to this. Listen, Tony, we were born in the world. It's kind of tricky. We were born in the world, but we were born again into the kingdom of God. So we were born in this world but then we were born again into the spiritual kingdom. And depending on, watch this now, depending on how we live in the world, Shanika, it determines if people believe our new message from the new world. I'll say that again. It depends on how we live in the new world, which determines our effectiveness on if people believe the message from the kingdom of God. So it's doing business, it's doing the family business, understanding there are two kingdoms at stake. And in a reality, we must understand that our business goal is to please our business owner, our father in the heavenly kingdom. But it is also true that as a franchise owner, you must please the customer as well. You must please the people in the earth. Ah, this is good. This is good. So we have to learn how to be able to connect with our father in heaven, please him, without going overboard by doing too much to please the fleshly people. Because sometimes you say, oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace and I'm just going to live any kind of way and God, it'll be okay. Nope, 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 nope. God wants you to understand the balance between both. Let me put it in practical terms. Uh, so let's say I'm going to teach you how to be, how to open a franchise 
in a second location or a foreign or a different location. God's kingdom is the headquarters, but you have to understand the earth is different from heaven. I'll say that again. Earth is different from heaven. So let me share it this way. There is a business owner's kingdom. Kingdom. So I've been a business owner. I've been a, a, a higher executive uh, on a higher level. So I've been able to see how businesses run from the internal perspective. Watch this now. When you're doing business, there's a whole mindset as a business owner from the internal perspective that you can get lost in without understanding the people, the customers you're trying to serve. Anybody understand what I'm saying? So internally, there are a set of rules, there's an environment, there's laws, there's policies that you you commit to, but they may or may not reflect the real world. But we have to remember the product we're selling is to be sold to the real world. Let me give you a case in point. Paul talks about it in Corinthians. He says, some people like to speak in tongues. And Paul says, wait a second, wait a second. He says, if you do that in the church, he says, people will think you're crazy. He says, so if you speak in tongues, make sure you have an interpreter to be able to give the people with you on earth that you're uh, worshiping with an understanding of what it is you're saying. Now, if you're by yourself and you're speaking the heavenly language, you don't need interpretation for anybody else. But even he says, even in that situation, he says, pray that God would give you understanding and an interpretation so you know what you're speaking. So the point is, Whenever you're doing something for God, it has to be able to be understood by the the second kingdom on earth. In other words, it has to be done in a way that reflects their desires, their intentions, their needs. It can't just be about you. You can't just walk around and be like, oh, praise the Lord, everybody. Oh, hallelujah. You come into the board meeting and you you work at Google and you come start your your presentation with praise the Lord, everybody. People can be like, hold on, this ain't church. This ain't church. In other words, you have to learn how to give a speech in a way in which God shows through you without saying praise the Lord. You have to realize you are in their environment. You are a citizen of two kings. I'm going to pause right here. Is this good to anybody? Is anybody at least understanding where I'm coming from? I'm going to give you some tools to try and to try and understand what's happening here. So the, the customer in the world needs to be able to have some say, per se, with how we present our tools. The salesperson then, that's why we have salespeople who go out and try to convince a connectivity between our internal kingdom, our internal business, and the customer in the world to allow for the greatest and optimal continual transaction of business. So a salesperson has to look at what are the what does a customer want? What is it that they need? What are they asking for? Apple does it, you know, all the big companies, Google, everybody does it. They look at their customer base and try to figure out how can we best service them. So you can't just come to church every Sunday, stick your head in the Bible, pray morning, noon, and night, and then think that you're going to be effective with the people you don't even understand. That is crazy. Our old church fathers and mothers did that. They were called holiness churches where they bowed down and grounded down in major religious, spiritual events and activities, but failed to be able to translate that power into everyday actions that change people's hearts and lives. And instead, what they did was they ran people away because regular earthly people thought they were lunatics. Uh, okay, never mind. Let's move on. So let's see how the text instructs us on how to do the family business while existing in two kingdoms. Let me show you this next slide. Let me introduce this to you right now. The first rule I want to introduce to you, the first point I want to make is that in order to be a citizen in two kingdoms, we must learn to play by their rules. We must learn to play by their rules. Are you tracking with me? So here's what I'm saying. I want to explain to you that when we as Christians who are a part of the kingdom of God try to do business in the earth, 
Listen, we are playing by their rules. Why? Because we are entering into their domain per se. God has allowed this kingdom of the earth to be run or to be ruled by other kings, other princes of darkness and so on and so forth. So temporarily, God has relinquished his ultimate rule and subduing of them uh, in order for us to try and change people's hearts while they exist on earth. So that's why evil is running rapid because God just hasn't stopped it. Now he can, but it is a period of grace where he has allowed the world to exist, to be able to choose him, not based on force, but based on love. So we as franchisees in the business, co-owners with God must exist in the earth realm, playing by their rules. Watch this now. As I stream on Facebook, as I use their platform to bring this message to you, guess what? There's a whole lot of streaming rules that I've got to play by. They tell me what I can and cannot do before I stream. So in order to get you the gospel, what do I do? I play by their rules. <laughs> as long as their rules don't b- break the rules of God, then I can operate in their rules. And that is a fundamental truth that Christians often get wrong. They think just because somebody is not saved or they aren't living up to par that you have to push them aside or shun them or not connect with them. You are wrong. You are wrong, believer. These are people who need God. You have the message in order to save them, play by their rules in order to get in good enough to be able to win them to Christ. It's the same principle for Google. When I stream or do something on YouTube, they got a whole set of rules of what you can and you cannot do. Even if I play a song, there's a copyright rule they have. If I play a song that's pre-recorded by somebody, Facebook or YouTube will mute it in order not to take away the royalties or licensing privileges of the copywriter. So here I say, okay, I pick all songs that are not licensed for copyright and I try to play by the rules. Why? So that me getting you the gospel will not be hindered. So what if I take the attitude and say, well, I want to play the song I want to play. And then I just back off Facebook. Then we stop reaching people every week. It is foolish for us as Christians to live one-sided. We must learn to be citizens of two kingdoms, learning how to be one business in two locations. Are you tracking with me? Let me give you this passage of scripture. The Bible says, every person, verses one through five, is to be in subjection, here it is, to the governing authorities. Every person is to be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God and those which exist are established by God. So every soul is to submit to the powers that live in the earth. Every soul, every soul, every man is to be subject to the governing powers in the land in which we live. There are practical powers as well, right? There are practical powers like parents. Your parents have authority over you. So you are to submit to that authority. Government has laws. Walk out there and and try to uh, speed at 150 miles per hour on the freeway. CHP going to pull you over. Why? Because there are laws that the government has set up that you must abide by. Pay your taxes. That's a law that we must abide by. We'll talk about that later. How about your job? Your job has rules. Be on time. Your schedule is from 9 to 5, but you come every week, 9.30, 9.20, 9.45. Obey the rules, baby. You're wrong. You are wrong when you continually disobey and disrespect the rules of the office policies, you are out of order. How about a pastor? Your pastor, a governing authority, your board of elders in your church, if they give you something to do or give you instructions, if you submit to that church, then you're to follow 
those rules. How about a husband? If your husband is noted in the Bible as the head of the household, then you are to submit to the person who has the authority in the household. And most importantly is God. So God is an authority. We must learn to submit to the word of God. His word is binding. His word is the holy authority. And what his word says you are to submit to. So all of these things are practical powers that the Bible says in verse number one, put it back on the screen for me, that every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. There is no authority for there is no authority except from God and those which are exist are established by God. So what I want you to understand then is that you must be part of as you do God's business in someone else's realm God says, submit to their authority, but he says, watch this caveat. He says, whatever authority they have, I've allowed it. I've given it to them. So still their authority is under his authority. And you must learn how to exist obeying their authority while obeying their authority is actually pleasing his authority. Ah, God, this is good. So I want you to understand that you're not just blindly submitting to something that doesn't care about you. You're saying to God, I recognize that you are head over all things and I'm submitting because that's what you want me to do. So when you do business in the earth, you're doing business recognizing that you're submitting to a power that God has given and allowed to be over you. Let's go back to the text again and look at verse number two. Verse number two says, therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. So if you resist it, you're not going to, you're going to have trouble and you're going to be in a bad disposition. But watch this. Now look at the next verse. As the next verse says, verse number three, for rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good and you will have praise from the same. So in other words, if you do good, if you obey the rules, if you do well in the world and obey the rules, nothing bad should happen to you. Notice I said should. We'll talk about that in a minute. Nothing bad should happen to you. In fact, instead, you will be praised by them instead. The Bible tells us in in Timothy, he says that the overseer or person who's willing to lead the church must have a good reputation inside the church and outside the church. In other words, businesses on the outside must respect you as a human being, not as a pastor, but as a human being in your community, in your city, in your state, those uh, uh, entities must recognize you as a decent human being. In other words, if you do good, you will be praised by other businesses. They will respect you and appreciate you. Now, let me give you this last little aspect of the text in the last verse. Verse number five or four, it says, for it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God and avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. So the person who practices evil is actually subject to the punishments that the law set up. But notice what God said. He says they are ministers of God, that the government, that the rules, your parents, your boss, your job, your husband, they're actually ministers of God that he has put in place to help you function in the power of his anointing. God, listen to what I'm saying. I'm saying you cannot be an anointed person without respecting the power of rules surrounding your life. All of those Christians who say, I don't need nobody. I subject myself to nobody. I don't need a pastor. I don't need a bishop. All I need is Jesus. All I need is, I don't don't need nobody. You are out of order. You are out of order because I guarantee you that God has placed some rule, some authority in your life to help guide your anointing, to give you a place of purpose and a sense of being. Those people, those Willie Rowe, Lone Rangers out there, 
there who are saying they're doing God's business with no respect for authority. I'm calling you out and you are out of order. Let me lend this. Let me lend this because some people say, well, you know, I didn't know any better. I didn't know any better. Let me go to this last text. Look at verse number five. It says, therefore, it is necessary. It is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of the punishment that could be caused. So some people obey because they're afraid of breaking the law. But he says, but also for conscience's sake. In other words, do the right thing because your conscience says so. Somebody say, well, I don't know what the law says. I didn't know what the law. God says when you are in a situation where you don't even know what the law says, he says, I have put a law in you and it's called the conscience and it will tell you what is right and what it, God dog it, I feel him. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. I love that he cares about us enough to say, even if you haven't read policy number 210.7, paragraph three, if you don't understand the federal government and the rules and the law, if you weren't raised by a father or mother and you don't know how to respect parents and you don't know how to do things at the job, this is your first job. God says you are still without excuse because he says, I put a conscience in you to know that if you talk back to your mother that way, whether you were taught that as a child or not, I gave you a conscience that will tell you, hold up, honey, roll it back, roll it back. You are out of order. Disrespect your mate, disrespect your children, disrespect your boss here. And God will quicken you in your conscience, in your spirit. He will let you know that you are out of order. Is anybody tracking with what I'm saying here? So God says it is so important for you to exist in this second location with respect that I have given you a conscience inside of you to help you know what is right and wrong because I want you to do well so bad that I have put truth inside of you to help you decide how to proceed in situations that seem a bit tricky. The conscience helps you understand right and wrong. It is a tool of understanding and giving correct perspectives for potential application choices or action. The conscience is sent to deliberate between the good and the bad in our lives. So don't just do it. He God is saying, don't just obey the laws because it's right to or because you'll be punished if you don't. He says, do it because God's conscience has already deliberated and told you what the right thing to do is. So look at the the text says, do it for conscience sake. Have you ever heard somebody say, do it for mama's sake? Do it for daddy's sake? Or do it for, oh, for, what do we say? Oh, for Pete's sake. Oh, for, what are we saying? We're saying do it for their sake. We are saying, I'm glad you're tracking, Rachel. Get on, get on there. All right. I see you, see, CJ. Listen, so listen, those are my Instagrammers. Listen, so listen, he says, don't just do it because you're scared of the penalty. Do it because God has put something right inside of you. Yield to government, not just for fear, but because you know it's the right thing to do. Do it because your conscience told you. So number one is play by their rules. Let's go to the next point. Here we go. And we asked America. I've been watching too much TV. So listen, the first one is play by their rules. The second one is pay by their rules. Pay by their rules. I removed one letter there out of there. It's an L. And I want to explain to you, watch this now, how regions have fees that we are obligated to pay to do business in their town. Ah, watch this now. So if, listen, listen. When we do business as a franchisee in the earth, obeying God and establishing his rule and his love in the earth, there is a fee that you have to pay. Listen, there are business fees. Oh, try opening up a business. You have to pay business fees. Try to file for 501c3. You got to pay a fee. There are corporation fees. There are LLC fees. There are business. When you open a bank business account, there's a fee for that. When you buy a business or you open a lease a place, lease a place, there are fees with that. God is saying, 
when you operate in this world, there will be fees that come with it. And that's why I wrote the book called The Art of Provision, because God says, I know there are fees, but he says, I will provide all your needs according to my riches in glory through Christ Jesus. God will provide for whatever your needs are. Don't worry about the fee, but respect the fee. That's all I'm saying. Don't look at the fee and say, well, I work for God. I, I, I serve the Lord. All I need, no, no, you need to pay your rent. No, you need to pay your taxes. No, you need to pay the credit card back. You just took the money. You need to do what you're supposed, is anybody tracking with what I'm saying? All right, so you don't believe me. Let me, let me show you the text, what the text says. Look at the text. It says in verse six, for because of this, because of what we just said, because of conscience, like, because of what's right and what's wrong in life, he says, because of this, you also do what? There it is. Pay taxes for rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. So there are rulers and servants of God. Notice he calls the public officials rulers and servants of God who are called to this very thing. So because they are housing you in their kingdom, because the earth is allowing you to do ministry in their kingdom and in their area, you got to pay for it. Again, for this cause, for this conscience sake, for what is right and what is wrong. He says, pay them. If they ask you to pay them, pay them. Well, we're a ministry. Yeah, well, ministries got to pay. Ministries cost money. Public officials are paid, how? By taxpayer dollars. Listen, public officials serve based on taxpayer dollars. Why? So they can serve you. Put the verse back up on the screen. Notice the text says, devoting themselves to this very thing. You have people who are fully devoted to doing the work of public service and they get paid by what we pay to live and exist on the earth. Oh my God, are you getting this? So we pay a property tax. We pay a car tax. We pay um, a business tax. We pay payroll tax. We pay all of these taxes to try to pay for people who are serving you in a public service. Now, they are even called servants of God. Ah, very much like a pastor. A pastor on the spiritual kingdom side. That's the earthly kingdom. This is the spiritual kingdom. A pastor serves the spiritual kingdom fully devoted to it. In other words, the pastor should not ha- should not have to work another job. They should be able to give themselves fully devoted to the ministry as a servant paid out of the tithes and the offerings that are given to the church. I'm, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here. Now you don't want to hear that. You, you, you listen to the earth side, but now you don't want to hear this. But I'm telling you, this is how it works. We are citizens of the two kingdoms. And I'm telling you that the earth policies and rules come to a large degree from what was written in the Bible initially. There are a lot of people, a lot of things and principles that the earth tries to establish that came from a biblical or a spiritual base, but sin has corrupted it and messed it up. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So what I want you to be clear on, let's go back to the text. It says, pay your taxes. It says you, these rulers or servants are completely devoting themselves. But look at verse seven. It says, render to all what is due them, not just taxes, tax to whom taxes due, custom to whom custom is due, fear to whom fear is due, honor to whom honor is due. So I want you to understand that the text says, not only is it about obeying the government, but he says it's obeying Bank of America, Citibank, Chase, uh, you know, whatever, mutual funds, whatever. Pay what you owe. Not only pay in money, but pay in reverence, pay in fear. Give honor to people who are due honor. Do you get up? Those are transactions that create credibility of our witness. When you respect people, that is a witness to God. When you act right, when you just act like you got some sense, that is a form of payment that keeps you out of debt. And we'll talk about that because as you notice then at the end of verse 7, it says, to whom fear, honor, well, we'll pick that up in verse eight. We are to actually owe no man nothing. So if we give our life by surrendering our respect, honor, paying our bills, taxes, what is due, subscriptions, dues, whatever it is we are obligated to do, 
then we owe no man nothing. For this cause, the conscience, listen, listen, it is so that we can serve God without being penalized, without being pushed aside as an alien. Ah, watch this. We don't want to be looked at as Christians who can't relate. We want to be Christians who pay our bills too. We're struggling too, honey. I, I love the Lord, but my rent is due every month just like you. So when we show people in good faith that we're trying to pay our car note on time, we're trying to pay our bill, that we're trying to respect our boss. When the when you see your co-worker, co-worker cuss the boss out or somebody else, when you push back on that, when you show them how to talk to the boss or how to talk to a co-worker, what you're doing is you're paying into removing your debt. It's not just about money. When you love your children, when you love your wife, when you love your husband like you should, you're paying off debt. I'll talk about that in just a second. But listen to this. Let me give you this transition before I go through this because the, the proverbial question everybody is asking, but the government is corrupt and all some things are corrupt. My boss is evil. That's true. What if they aren't using your money right? That's true. What if they are hurting me and I'm not doing anything wrong? That is true. What if their system is corrupt? That is real. God says, listen, God's response to this is he says, don't worry about that in our kingdom. Listen, there is a different rule of law and that law is love. Remember, remember, even though these rules and these laws are corrupt and they are hurting you, they are not fair to you, God says they still are ordained by him. In other words, they still have to answer Ah, God to him. So don't worry about what they are doing to you. He says, just make sure you are doing what's right. Live by your conscience. Live by obeying the word of God. Live by believing what is true. Live by faith. Do what I've called you to do. And I guarantee you, I, in the other kingdom, the kingdom of God, I will stand up for you on your behalf. So he says, what you need to be concerned about ultimately is about fulfilling the law of God. And that law is fulfilled by loving one another. In order to do that, listen, we must weigh by God's kingdom rules. So let's look at the next text. Let me show you this as I bring this to a conclusion. The first one was play by their rules. The second one was pay by their rules. But the third one says, weigh by God's rules. Ah, So play, pay, and weigh by these rules. Now watch this. Let me explain to you how weighing determines value, worth, or effectiveness. And I talked about this a few weeks ago. I talked about how God is the author. He's the controller of the scales of our life. How if something is not in balance, he's the great equalizer and he knows how to bring it into uh, equity. So here's what I want you to understand, that even though you play by their rules, even though you pay by their rules, God says you weigh by his rules. In other words, you weigh in on his scales. It is basically how we report or evaluate whether or not what we are doing is working. Uh, So listen, when we weigh by God's rules, we weigh by loving one another. So God then allows us to weigh in to see if we are effective. Every boxer before they fight has to get on the scale and weigh in to see if they fit into the parameter that allows them to fight. Ah, God. So God will put you on the scale in heaven and they will, God will weigh you to see if you've been impactful in the kingdom on the earth. Ah, Joy doesn't like it when we go to the doctor together and the nurse says, stand on the scale. And when I try to look over her shoulder, be like, Joy, let me see what those number is. They keep, they keep moving that weight. Pep that neck. Stop tapping that weight. Stop tapping that weight, man. Come on down. And then I tell her, I say, look, go on, go on over there another corner. Don't look at my weight. And we're both ashamed of our weight because we, listen, you're ashamed of your weight when you know you haven't been exercising or eating right. And there are some people 
people, if God weighed you this morning, you would not be filling up the weight capacity. You would not meet the requirements. And so I'm going to teach you in this final point how you are to weigh in successfully before the kingdom of God. Because you spend most of your time in the world. You spend most of your, you work 40, 50 hours in the world. You, you barely, you barely do two hours for church on Sunday. You hear me? Don't, don't you talk to me about church being too long. But you work all week for other people. You parent fleshly kids. You go off and eat and drink your martini and do all this stuff and drive your car and go to the beach and do all this fleshly stuff. But you don't have two hours for God. Don't talk to me about preaching too long. I'm telling you, you have to create balance. God wants to know that once you have spent all that time in the world, we come back to church to weigh in. Come on, let put you on the scale, Sharita. Come on, Arnetta, put you on the scale. Let's all get on the scale this morning. That's what I want our prayer time to be at the end. Let's put our prayer time, let's put our prayer, let's put our weight on the altar of God and say, weigh me, God. Ah, God. And and, and the doctor will say, you have too much body fat. You, you, listen, your weight, your body fat ratio doesn't equal. In other words, your lifestyle doesn't equal the ratio to the anointing God has put on your life. You are not living up to the calling that God has called on your life. And God says, every Sunday I send Pastor Cherry to put you on the scale, to weigh in, to help you see what needs to be changed. Oh God, it's a struggle to run an hour a day. It's a struggle to ride the bike. Absolutely, it's a struggle to work out. It's a struggle to lift weights. I know it is, but isn't God worth it? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't God worth the trouble? Isn't God worth the try, the effort? He saved us. He redeemed us. He healed us. He forgived us. Forgiven us. He's changed us. Isn't he worth running a mile? Isn't he worth riding 10 miles on the bike? Isn't he worth some effort? Oh my God. You just want him to bless you every morning you get up and do all the work? What are you doing for him? Uh, I got to bring this to a close. Let me show you the text. The text says here, he says, oh, no man, owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has what? Fulfilled the law. There it is. The way to clear your debt, listen to me, is by loving others. The way to clear your debt is by loving others. This is the real debt cancellation. Put the verse back on the screen. The text says, owe nothing to anyone except to love one another for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. Verse nine says, for this, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then verse 10 says, love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Uh, all right. All right. So watch this. Let me unpack this for the Instagram people. I want uh, we're Romans. I forgot you. You don't get the slides, but Romans uh, 13 verses one through 10. I should have said that a long time ago. Maybe somebody. Uh, uh, so the whole passage you're studying is Romans one through 10. Those verses were verses eight through 10. So listen, the way to clear your debt is to love is to love. Our response to a government that is, isn't treating us fairly is not retaliation, but to do what they ask and love them anyway. I know it just it doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem fair. Well, what was fair about Jesus dying on the cross? Tell me what was fair about him getting hung on the cross and pierced in the side by a sword. Did he commit a crime? No, he didn't. Did he do anything wrong? No, he didn't. All he did was come to earth to try to save people, to heal people, to do something good. Good, and they hung him high on a cross, a Roman cross, and slew him, gave him vinegar to drink, and tried to destroy him. But after three days, he rose again. What I'm trying to tell you is that even though it looks unfair and it looks un 
unjust. God has a plan that is higher, a kingdom that is higher than what the earth does to you. It is unfair. She got the car. She got the house. He got the car. He got the money. He got the the stock investments. Yeah, you lost, but God's kingdom is greater than the kingdom of the earth, and we must learn how to lose on earth while winning in heaven. Ah, we must learn to be dual citizens, how to live. Listen, you cannot tuck tail and quit like a crybaby Christian every time something doesn't go your way. Well, I prayed about it. I prayed about it, and God didn't do it. Well, there are many things God didn't do for me. That doesn't mean you're calling quits. That doesn't mean you're still not have don't have purpose. That doesn't mean that God has removed your destiny. It just means you suck it up. It means you keep praying. It means it wasn't God's will in that situation, but you trust him because you are citizens of two kingdoms. You're operating a business in two locations and everything that God wants for you, the world does not want for you. There's a devil to fight. There's an enemy on earth. Every time you try to do something that God told you to do, the enemy is going to press against you. But just because the earth presses against you, there you go again. I quit. I quit. Shame on you. Grow up and get some backbone. Learn how to live as a person who is able. Listen, I, I don't want to digress, but I'm, these, this Christianity that just cuts people off and just disses people, you know, because they don't do this right. And oh, be quiet. Grow up and, and man up, woman up and learn the, the, the complexities of life. Yeah, your mama died of cancer. Yeah, they were in the hospital. You prayed and they didn't make it. That's God's will. God allowed it to happen, but you still have purpose. You still have a calling. That's above your pay grade, boo. So listen to this. Our response is to love them anyway. And in doing so, watch this, we fulfill the law. Well, what law? God's law, the true kingdom. Well, look at the text. The text talks about the law. Here it is. He brings up the law, the Ten Commandments. He mentions he mentions these laws. He mentions these kingdom, uh, the Ten Commandments. He mentions uh, commandment number seven, commandment number six, commandment number eight, and commandment number 10. Those are in that order in verse number nine. He mentions those four. And those four have to do with how we treat people in the earth. He says, you shall not commit adultery. He says, you shall not murder. He says, you shall not steal. He says, you shall not covet. So he says, all of these things you shall not do. But he says, all of these things, put it back up for me, please. He says, he says, if there's any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying. He says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, if you love your neighbor, you're not going to commit adultery. If you love him, you're not going to murder him. If you love him, you're not going steal from them. If you love them, you're not going to covet what they have. The point God is saying is don't worry about the injustices on the minor levels. Worry about loving them. It's the love that empowers you so that even though we are doing business in their domain, we are weighed in in God's domain. So we do what they ask us to do and they take advantage of us and they hurt us and they plunder our willingness to help. But when we go Go the way in for God. He said, I know they got the best of you, honey. I know it broke your widow heart, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. This is how we overcome the world, even by our faith. I will set you back in there. I will send you back in with new power, with greater anointing, with more vivacious strength. You will be a head and not the tail, a lender and not a borrower. I will change the circumstance. Let them win, boo. Because it is the kingdom of God that determines my full weight. We weigh in full when we weigh in love. We weigh in full when we weigh in with loving one another. Where there is a set of laws, yes, do it, but fulfill them. But all of them are actually set in the context of love. All of these commandments are saying, yeah, keep the commandments, but do love. God's not saying don't not do the Ten Commandments. He's saying if you do love, you will fulfill the Ten Commandments. God understands that giving your submission and money to a kingdom rule that could hurt you, he says, love works no ill. Look at verse number 10. Let me go back to that. 
Let me go back to verse number 10. He says, love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So he says in verse 10, love works no ill. What he's trying to say is that the government of the world may hurt you. Your boss may hurt you. Your spouse may hurt you. Your parent may hurt you. The government may hurt you. But love (laughs) works no ill. (laughs) The Bible says perfect love casts out fear. You don't have to fear the love of God. You don't have to fear his agape love. When you walk in love, love works no ill. 1 Corinthians 13 says, love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. Now abideth faith, love, and charity, and the greatest the greatest of these, faith, hope, and charity, but the greatest of these is charity, is love. So my point is, the laws that you are fearing shouldn't hurt you, but if they do, keep focusing on loving others, because it is when you go to weigh in in God's kingdom, that's where he says whether you're full or whether you're empty. You cannot retaliate. You don't respond to every email. You don't get back at people for wronging you. You love them anyway, because it is in the loving of the wrongdoer that we weigh in faithful. I don't know what your week was like. I don't know who you cussed out in retaliation, but if you got on the scale, I wonder if you weigh more than you should because you haven't been giving enough love out. How do you shed the weight? You shed the weight by loving the hell out of people. You shed your weight by loving the unlovable. You shed your weight by loving those who cursed you out and backbit against you and did all manner of evil against you. You love them. That's how you get sexy spiritually, baby. That's how you get curves with an anointing. When you love people who are trying to destroy you. Paul was writing to Christians in Rome in this passage and he was telling them basically to obey the laws and rules over you, but win them with love. That is how you win in both kingdoms. You will win with the enemy and the friend when playing with the hand of love. Who plays Bitwiz? Who plays Spades? Who plays Gin Rummy? Anybody ever know? Anybody? How about domino players? You got to look at your hand. You got to know how to play. How you going to play your cards? How you going to play your cards? What's up, Mickey? Mickey, I, uh, 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 I forget her name. I think it is. If you play your cards right, everything's going to be all right. How are you going to play your cards this week? Are you going to play a card of retaliation? Are you going to play a card of get back? Or are you going to play a card of love? I know you got the spade. I know you got the joker. I know you got the guaranteed joker. But do you have the card of love? Do you have... Do you have the card that God has given you to be able to rise up above their petty antics and gossip? Do you have the strength and the courage to trust God to bring you out instead of what they're trying to do on your behalf? Ah, We're citizens of two kingdoms and it will get rough in the other kingdom, but you must learn how to play the cards that God has given you. Here's my conclusion and I will let you go. God's point of all this is to make sure as the family business infiltrates various countries, regions, cities, families, jobs, etc., that we win people with first being good citizens. I want you to understand that God has called you for a reason. He put you on that job for a reason. You can reach them. You can reach them like I can't. I can't do what you do in your area. So as we marry different people, as we work at different jobs, as we go to different churches, we are taking the kingdom of God in different countries, regions, and areas. And when you go in those areas, God is teaching you to play by their rules, pay the fees, pay by their rules, but weigh in by God's rules. Oh my God, this is clear. I hope you got this message. Don't have any outstanding debt. But if we do have debt, let it be the debt of owing someone love. If you owe somebody, say I owe you love. I was wrong to you. I didn't treat you right. I didn't love you like I should. That's the debt I should have. Don't go bragging about I owe 200000 I owe Citibank, I owe this, I owe all these people money. Brag about I owe somebody some love. God says don't owe anybody, but if you do, let it be a debt of love. Live as if we have failed to adequately supply someone with love and we best 
get busy trying to fill that disparity in the earth in which we serve. Because the truth is, very ugly people, very mean people, oftentimes are people who are bereft of people who have loved them in their lifetime. And so maybe they didn't get love from their mom, their parent, their children, their spouse. But you are placed on that job to do what? To pay the debt of somebody else who didn't love. To love somebody into life again. People have lost their gleam in their eye because they've lost hope and they are in despair because they don't know what love is, but you have the answer. And I'm telling you, instead of trying to be right, just be a lover. Don't always be right. Just, it is not about being, God didn't say you fulfill the will of God by being right. You fulfill the will by loving one another. So we want to spiritually love others. Today's prayer then is to first recognize our rulers. I want you in this time of prayer to think about the things and the people that have ruled over you and renew your commitment to submit to them. Then I want you to spiritually vow to pay your debt. I want you to end disparities to the love that has been given to us that we have taken for granted for selfish reasons. We have thought that we, that they have owed us something. But remember, we're in the land doing business there. Respect that and pay your love toll. Somebody needs to pay their love bill. And I'm telling you, you need to end this debt disparity by saying, you know what? Somebody gave me more love than I actually paid them back. And we want to close that debt. And three, Finally, our prayer is to weigh in in full. Our prayer finally in this altar prayer is to get on the scale and to ask God to weigh us and to fill us up again to serve him better, to have more love than hate, to have more compassion than retaliation, to have more resilience and stamina than a resolve to quit. With an urgency, we as business owners and operators in our father's family business, we earnestly commit to opening in other locations, not being stuck only in our happy places. A prayer that opens us up to say, you know what, I'm going to try new things. I'm going to open in another location. I'm going to go and visit some people I don't even know. You're not comfortable with it. Oh, well, get over it. That's what business is. Figuring out the geolocation you're in. I looked at opening a church. Whenever you look at opening a church, you figure out who is the target audience? How do people live there? How would I, being a black pastor, open up a church in the middle of a Hispanic neighborhood? That doesn't make sense. Unless I have a ministry targeted to the Hispanic community. Know your audience. We preached about that already. So open your life, find out the regions and the territories that God wants you to explore and go there. And remember the words he told Joshua, wherever you put your feet, wherever you plant your feet, I've given you the land. So don't be afraid of it, just do it. Opening our lives to new challenges, new worlds, and new people. To things and rulers that God has ordained, he will cover us until we win them with love. So just remember, wherever you go and wherever you're serving, love is the ultimate and highest law to be fulfilled. I'm PC, and that's all I've got.